0: Here at Westside, we have a number of men that have served in the military, and if you have served in any branch of the military, would you please stand? Would you mind standing? In honor of Memorial Day, we're thankful for these men and for the sacrifices and service that they've rendered to our country. Please be seated. Thank you so much. In honor of Veterans Day, it might also be good to think about people that have faithfully served the church over the years. The sacrifices and service that they rendered to the kingdom of God might be a good idea because, you know, we are all beneficiaries of blessings of those that have gone before us not just in keeping this land free, but in making the church as strong as it has been over the years. So we thank God for people who've gone on to be with Jesus, who helped make the church here at Westside what we are able to be blessed by today. Short sermon. No trick, only treat. Open your Bibles to 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. Elisha is one really busy prophet. And as a matter of fact, when you think about all the things he's involved with, just in the next few chapters, it will have a dizzying effect upon you. And you, when you look at 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7... He is dealing with a woman who is dealing with debt in her lives. D-E-B-T. Debt. Debt that's so great she's afraid that her sons are going to be enslaved by creditors. That is a problem. More about that momentarily. But keep looking at 2 Kings chapter 4 and notice verses 8. Through about verse 37, Elisha is dealing with death in this section. The Shunammite woman's son will be raised. How's that for a chapter? Dealing with a woman who is in debt and thinks her sons are going to be enslaved for the rest of their lives to pay the debt off. And then he has to deal with death. Then we come to 2 Kings chapter 4 and the remaining verses and he's dealing with drought and famine all in one chapter debt death drought and famine have you ever had one of those times keep going get to chapter 5 and second kings chapter 5 is significant and we've already studied it in recent weeks he's dealing with disease an awful hideous disease Leprosy and Naaman. And then you begin the next chapter. In chapter six, verses one through seven, you have what we studied this morning. You have desperation, desperation. Go back, if you will, now, to Second Kings Four. And as we look at these first seven verses, there are three scenes I want you to focus on with me in the story. Scene number one, you can give this title, Desperate Times. Here in verse one, you find that not only is this widow, dealing with the death of her husband. She is also having to deal with the debt that he has incurred. And the fact that creditors are breathing down her neck, as we would say. Now, you and I tend to think about this, and again, we often read the Bible with our western eyes. What do you think might be uh, a normal interest rate to pray creditors, you know? In this particular time in Scripture, it wasn't unusual for the debt, the interest rate, to be 20 to 50%. The very sound of that makes you want to say, ouch, doesn't it? No wonder why she is so concerned. Desperate times. Her husband has died. And notice she talks about her husband. And when she's talking to Elisha, he is your servant. He was one of the sons of the prophets. But now he's died and there's this debt that's been incurred. And she's wondering if the creditors are not going to... To foreclose and take her sons. Desperate times. Notice verses two through six for scene number two. Godly measures. Maybe you've heard the expression desperate times require desperate measures. Desperate times require godly measures, godly actions. And to this widow's everlasting credit, she asks Elisha for help. And notice Elisha, what she does is just, she tells him about the circumstances in verses 2 through 6... Without suggesting anything, it's not like uh, Martha in John 11, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She just simply says, here's what's going on. And what Elisha does is give her godly measures to follow in dealing with her desperation you ever feel that you're desperate, that you're at the end of your rope? That's where this woman was. And here are the measures. Notice first that Elisha begins with what the woman is and has. What do you have? I only have a little oil in the house, she says. He begins as God's man with where this woman is and with what she has. When we're trying to help desperate people, we need to begin with where they are and with what they do have to help them see God more in their lives. Then there are a series of action verbs. Catch these. In verses 2 through 7. I don't have anything but this jar of oil. Then he says, number one action term, go outside. Number two, borrow vessels from all your neighbors. Three, empty vessels and not too few. Don't just get a few, get a bunch, we'd say. Verb again, then go in, and next verb, shut the door behind yourself and your sons, and next verb, pour into all these vessel, vessels, and next verb, when one is full, set it aside. He gives her action with the jar of oil that you have, go out and borrow other jars, other vessels from your neighbors and don't get just one or two. Get more than that. And proceed to fill the vessels. You know what's happening? A miracle. Because she would fill one vessel Get another and fill that. Get another and fill that. And catch this. It is all behind closed doors. It's all being done, we would say, kind of in secret. It's not being being verbalized and shouted what's going on here. But just stop and think about what it would have been like. She had two sons. We can see that in verse 4. One's already been mentioned. But... They're there, she and her son, and they're, they're, they're filling these vessels. Do you think there was joy? Do you think that there was amazement? Do you think that they couldn't help but laugh after a while at how extravagant and good and blessed? And they finally used all of the vessels and filled them up, right? Right? And here's a woman who had been desperate, experiencing something of God's great goodness. That brings me to verse 7, the last verse. Overflowing cups, overflowing vessels. Remember the words of the psalmist David in Psalm 23 my cup runs over. The vessel ran over. Blessing other vessels, filling them and notice what it said. Go sell pay your debts and live off what remains? Isn't that pretty amazing? These stories are there so that we will treasure God's truth in unusual places because we don't always spend a lot of time in First and Second Kings, but we have over the last couple of weeks because wonderful stories like this always remind us That no matter how desperate we think we are, we have a God who makes our cups overflow. Let's all pray together. God, how great and awesome you are. Thank you for the account of this miracle in 2 Kings. God, in our desperation, may we always look to you and trust... May we do what you say. May we be willing to even do things quietly and just to enjoy your blessings and not have to brag about things, but to just be in awe of how good you've been to us over the years. We remember Jesus telling us about praying in our closet and doing things that are only seen by you, God, and not so much by others. This lady's life was changed by her trust and obedience to the message from God. Thank you for those men and many others that have served our country over the years, those that stood up. Thank you for men and women who have served the kingdom and done so with great sacrifice and love because they trusted you, God. Help us to be mindful of our real heroes heroes of the faith. God, thank you for Jesus, and we pray in his name. Amen. The expression, man of God, occurs 76 times in the Bible. 76 times in the Old Testament, I should say. About 50 of those times are in First and 2 Kings. But no one in all of the Old Testament is called man of God more than Elisha. A man of ability, maturity, and stability. One of the things that kind of made me smile this widow, help of the helpless, help of the nameless. She's not even named. Isn't it marvelous to have a God who helps the helpless and the nameless? And here is a woman that Scripture gives seven verses to. And I smiled when I realized there was a wicked king by the name of Omri. Omri, if you know who he is at all, Omri, he's one of the best-known kings of Israel. He was Ahab's daddy. Like father, like son, okay? Okay? Does that say enough? Omri is given six verses in 1 Kings. This widow is given seven. Amen for godly widows. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. It may be there's somebody here that needs to remember yet again how our blessings overflow as God's people. Maybe you've wandered away from the Lord. Come home. For those who are not Christians, come to Jesus in faith and repentance and baptism and be added to His church. Why not now? Why not leave this building with your sins washed away? Let's stand.